What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Campus to Caching, your weekly DFS podcast brought to you by CampusToCanton.com, your number one leader in Campus to Canton fantasy. So have Ethan here with me, as always, uh, to talk Saturday, DraftKings, main slate. Um, should be a fun week, interesting week. Pricing, as always, is unique. We have interesting scenarios and, and fun matchups. I think really just... The football games in general are awesome. Um, yeah. Six ranked matchups, some interesting in-conference matchups that are not ranked first ranked, which are still fun. So, I mean, largely just a really good slate of games. And we get to, to play into your bias a little bit. We get the first or only white out of the season, right? Yeah, buddy. I don't know how I feel about uh, spending it on Iowa, but, you know, we'll we'll switch it up a little bit. I, M- Michigan and Ohio State aren't the only ones who deserve it, so. Yeah, well, there is some value in doing it against a team like Iowa that's good, but like you should beat them. And then if you do the whiteout, to me, it like puts it over the top and like locks it in. I don't know. Maybe that's what they were thinking because I was very surprised, you know, because Michigan does play at Penn State, but you go to Ohio State, correct? Yeah, we're at Ohio State this year. And I also think that there's some validity in, hey, the student section is going to get up for those games regardless. So let's let's make another really cool atmosphere game and uh, just turn it up to eleven. So I think that works. I think that makes sense. So let's get into it. DraftKings, like I said, just to repeat, to be very clear, this is DraftKings pricing that we're going to be discussing for the Saturday main slate. I believe there are fourteen games for the first time ever. No FCS matchups. Thank you very much, DraftKings intern. Um, the quarterback position is. I think pretty deep, and I think you have options at the top and bottom of the salary cap range. What's kind of your overall thought on how the position shakes out on Saturday? Yeah, it definitely seems like a uh, a min-max situation where you're going to pick a uh, higher-priced quarterback and pair him with one of the value uh, guys on the slate. Um, I was pretty pleased with the amount of guys who are, you know, sub-8K. Um I mean, just jumping in and, and letting it rip. Preston Stone is a favorite of mine this week, uh, coming in at 7,400 um, at TCU. Um, but, you know, the uh, the Sunny Dykes rivalry will be a strong one with them. Um, and then you've got uh, Castellanos down there at 5,900 as well. Uh, two very uh, capable quarterbacks, uh, guys who are – uh, at least have a, a short history of putting up some fantasy production um, that are well within the budget to, to squeeze in. So I'm excited about uh, about about that. Now, I'm, I'm curious up at the top here, we can't talk about Saturday without talking about Colorado and Oregon. Um, Shador and Bo Nix, uh, 95 and 96, uh, 100. What are your thoughts there on, on those guys? I mean, I think Bo is probably my favorite play of the day at the position. Um, I mean, anytime you let, I don't I don't remember his name, Braden, whatever the three, the two last name quarterback is for Colorado State, you throw him for like, let him throw for 360. Yeah. Like every pass was either going to Torrey Horton or Torrey Horton and they didn't stop him. <laughs> so I love the potential of Bo Nix against this uh, defense. They will be down Travis Hunter, obviously, with the, I think it was a lacerated liver, which is just wild. Um, So I I think he's in play big time. I mean, I could see a game stack making sense. I like some of the different Colorado receivers and options there, which I think will be fun to to stack with. And I think Troy Franklin's a stackable person or player, I should say, with Bo Nix, which is, you know, last year we didn't really have like a stack option with him. It was just way too spread. So I do like the fact now that we can feel pretty good about stacking those two together in, I would say, like all formats. I, don't, I wouldn't be just doing that for tournaments. But yeah. what's kind of your take on the game? Yeah, I think that's kind of been an uh, underappreciated Will Stein wrinkle in this offense is that the receiving production does tend to be funneled towards uh, Troy Franklin um, in general. Tez is even a little bit interesting. Um, I know we'll probably discuss that a, a little bit more in depth uh, when we're talking wide receivers. But, yeah, I, I have no concern um, about rolling anybody against the uh, the Colorado defense. Um, 
quarterbacks, I mean, DraftKings has done a really good job of just raising the median price for quarterbacks this year. Um, it seems like they are just um, – the elite guys are still right around that 10K price range, but even the good options are um, elevated this year and make it a little bit harder to really get away with – I think it's especially when you're playing cash games, that makes a big difference um, because you – are almost forced to pay up for the really obvious option as opposed to paying just a little bit less and saving just a little bit of money this year versus saving, you know, one and a half K that last year. So um, I think that there are some really decent options right around, you know, 80, 8,400 with uh, Jalen Daniels is interesting to me. Um, you've got Shuck at 8,100 uh, at West Virginia. Uh, that's definitely interesting. Um, but I, I think this week in general, I'm really going to be probably hitting Knicks and then dropping down to that, you know, 8K, sub 8K range um, and not playing any of those guys in the middle just because of the clear um, path to a great day for Bo Nix. Um, you know, there's always a chance that the running backs are going to be the ones who have a day, but it seems like the utilization of the running backs in this year is that they're healthy in the pass game as well. So just because a running back goes off doesn't mean that, that Bo can't have his days as well with that. Yeah, I think he proposes enough of a rushing, you know, uh, talent to be able to do that. I would say the only other expensive, like, up there option I like is uh, Jackson Dart. Um yeah, he showed. I mean, he had a, this. He had just came off a hundred rushing yard game. He had 136 against Georgia Tech. Couple of rushing touchdowns. Um, he showed last year he could do it. He ran for 100 once. So, like, I think the rushing ability is legitimate. I think Alabama is in a weird place where they're kind of struggling. Um, and I like Jalen Milrow on the other side as like a nice tournament play, just because I yeah. think he poses some really nice rushing upside. Mm-hmm. And I think people will be scared to play him. Uh, but I do think Dart is really been incredible um not surprised yeah. anymore that he beat out spencer sanders at this rate right like yeah. spencer sanders is not jackson dart from the, the first three games we saw uh you made some really good points about some of the cheaper options uh castellanos i talked about him as a weird option last week and it actually paid off for once you know yeah. usually when you get weird it doesn't um i'll save my other weird one for later uh, but I think there's even some like middle options, right? Like I think Cade Klubnik is a good option, right? We just saw what Castellanos did to, to FSU and I'm not, he's definitely not the same runner, but yeah, it seems like Clemson's kind of figuring it out on offense and 7,300 is a really solid price. Good savings. And I think also, this one, this one might be weird. Uh, Emory Jones strictly because he just runs so much. Yeah. Um, and I think Oklahoma, that could be like a 52 to 24 game, but he runs yeah. so much that he can hit value at 6,900. So yeah, that's fair. Any, it's, I mean, they're not, they're not your run of the mill. They're definitely not cash game plays. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when you get to tournaments, there, you have to kind of zig and zag a little bit. What are, yeah. you know, do you love or hate those options? A little of both. I mean, you said Club Nick and I kind of made a face, but, um, <laughs> You know, I feel like with him and with Milrow, there are, there's a really big advantage to the fact that they had, um, I mean, Klubnik had his island game at the beginning of the year where he came up flat and has steadily improved since then. But the games that he's improved in haven't been notable. So nobody really has watched that. So your casual player probably isn't going to know a whole lot about, you know, how that Clemson offense has kind of started to, to jive and gel a little bit more. And to be fair, anytime you get a new offensive coordinator, you expect some learning, a learning curve there. And, and for them to really start to ramp it up, you know, right about now and, and get on it. Um, let, me, yeah. let me ask you, have you seen, do you know what his fantasy point production has been the last two games? Cause I looked at it when I was writing my article and was shocked. I mean, offhand, I would say 26 points. So he went for 28 against FAU and 29 against, uh, I guess, I think that was Charleston Southern. Uh, But that just seems like way more than I realized. You know, like it just didn't feel like he's done that. But 
I had to ask that before you, you diverted away into maybe some Emory Jones conversation. No, that, that, that totally makes sense. Um, but I think, uh, you know, dipping back here to Milrow too, I think Milrow is in a similar standpoint. Everybody knows about him being benched and that's the notable aspect, but you know, his performance probably wasn't the reason why they've struggled so much uh, early in this season. I mean, the wide receiver uh, play has just been abysmal. And again, you talk about a new offensive coordinator and kind of the learning curve that comes with implementing these new pieces. You know, I'd expect for him to at least have that solid floor running the ball. And I think people are just going to be scared about playing an, a shaky Alabama team in at the start of SEC play. And who knows, you might even get the benefit of that as well with the Ole Miss pieces as well, because you think about Alabama being a traditionally staunch defense, but they haven't been anything to be afraid of this year. So um, that's really interesting. Emory Jones is a classic garbage time play. Um, you're just hoping that they don't get thrashed to a point where he's pulled from the game at any point in time. Um, and I don't think he will. Cincinnati is, this is a big 12 conference game actually. So uh, there, there is definitely, I think, uh, a little bit of, of tenacity that will come out with Cincinnati being, you know, they're hosting Oklahoma. Um, they, I think all of the new teams want to beat Texas and OU uh, because this is their shot at it um, before they leave for the SEC. So I, I really like Emory Jones's production so far. I mean, it's hard to argue uh, with his, his massive scores. Um, I mean, what's your what's your expectation for him at 6,900? What what are you hoping for in terms of production? I think as long as he gets the touchdown equity, he's fine. Um, I would imagine if you had to put it out there, I'd say 200 passing yards, 60, 70 rushing yards. So right there, that's 14, 15 points. And then I think he's got one or two passing touchdowns in him and a rushing touchdown. So... I think mid twenties wouldn't be all that unrealistic. Yeah. Um, the way he doesn't, the way he's completely disappointing is that Cincinnati offense looks awful. He scores one of their two touchdowns and he ends with 12 rushing yards. Like yeah. that is the, that would be the concern is that their, their offensive line gets overwhelmed mm -hmm. and, and struggles against Oklahoma. And I don't have that kind of defensive line metric. Maybe we can, do a quick uh, celebrity shot with justice here or something. Yeah. See if we can slack and we get in here, but uh, you know, that would be the concern. So I'm not going to go heavy on him. Certainly. Um, I think he makes for a good game stack with Dylan Gabriel, but I wouldn't force it. Uh, so that's kind of my expectation is like the low twenties feels really attainable. Yeah. I mean, his last two games. So he played Miami of Ohio, 29.7 points. That was with no passing touchdowns, two interceptions, and one rushing touchdown. So he did get the rushing bonus, which you love to see. Um, and then at Pitt, week two, uh, he threw for two touchdowns, didn't run for any, and only ended up with you know fourteen points, roughly. So yeah, and seventeen rushing yards, right? That's the yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That truly that's, is like a key you. piece. Yeah, and I didn't watch that game, but that game was pretty sloppy, wasn't it? It just was like a grossness. Yeah. Yeah, it was for sure. It was slow and sloppy, it seemed. What uh, what kind of maybe off the wall or weird options are you thinking of at quarterback? Uh, I think as weird as I'm willing to go, I'm not getting super weird this week, but Keaton Slovis at 5,700 uh, is definitely intriguing. Um, he was a guy who, you know, I was digging into game logs a little bit this week, just trying to prep. Um, and I felt a little bit underwhelmed with his production. I mean, uh, Sam Houston, week one, you know, take it for what you will again. I mean, third time mentioning it today, but new system in place, new pieces in place. That offense is going to be slow starting. Um, but last week against uh, Arkansas, only 13.7 uh, fantasy points, mainly coming from the fact that, I mean, he's a negative in the rushing game and, uh, if he's not hitting, you know, 300 yards, you're not going to really excel. That being said, I think Kansas's defense isn't anything special. Um, I, I I think this is a decent spot for him. At 5,700, 
I mean, he's definitely a, a savings play. You're hoping that he gets, you know, 25 points and uh, and gets that touchdown equity. Yeah, and it's weird because he, he does have three rushing touchdowns. Um, he kind of falls into this situation where their running backs have been very underwhelming, which has been hurtful for best balls for me the last two years. So now this LJ Martin starting getting uh, significant usage. Aiden Robbins, who's huge, who would be a, a serious touchdown threat at the goal line. It seems like he's been playing with an injury, so maybe yeah. he's not going to be playing. So that could help Slovis there. I don't mind Slovis. I certainly can see the appeal. Kansas's defense made, um, what's his name? The guy from Col- the former Colorado, but now Nevada quarterback. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Brendan Lewis. He yeah, made yeah, him, yeah. they made him look adequate. So yeah. I certainly don't mind that option. Uh, the the off the wall ish weird one would be a little bit of a homer pick, and it's Kyron Jones. If they were to announce him as starter pregame, the nice thing is it's a new game. There is, I think, there's some potential there. It's kind of like an Emory Jones situation where, yeah, that guy is running it 15 to 20 times. Um, you know, Tootin and Malachi Thomas have been underwhelming. It kind of felt like feels like they just are gonna really focus on drones and utilizing his rushing ability because his passing ability is not the greatest and they're going to be down Allie Jennings, but it does seem Jalen Lane is probably going to be back. So I think he's an interesting, very cheap option. Another one I would just have a sprinkle of if I'm playing a ton of uh, a bunch of tournament lineups. Yeah. I, he's interesting and it's definitely the matchup that you're looking for with, um, uh, you know, going against Marshall and it seems like, it's the kind of situation where you want that first game that they make the switch because it's got the best chance of catching a defense off guard. It's also got the best chance of getting that emotional swing where other players really step up because of the quarterback change. Um, so I'm, I'm all about getting there early with, uh, with drones, but um, I, I can, I can see that. Then I was just going to circle back. You said Tyler Shuck earlier. I love Tyler Shuck, a better version of, like a, it feels like kind of a similar version of like Emory Jones and Kyron Jones were yeah. not really all that talented of a passer, but the volume is heavy. Plus uh, he adds a passing aspect that the other two don't. So I think your mention of him earlier was great. I, I, uh, I will not be playing cause I will be celebrating uh, love and uh, matrimony. I think it is right. So but if i was (laughs) playing i would i will probably build one or two like hand built like bigger entry lineups yeah i would think my quarterbacks will be some combination of nicks shuck dart and one or two cheap options and just kind of figure out which of the five six quarterbacks i just mentioned which four of those obviously fit the mold i think there are areas of extreme cheapness or value at running back and receiver. And then there's just not at all. So yeah, I might be like you where I'm forced into playing a cheaper option. Why don't we start with cheap at running back um, okay. to maybe a little bit of a segue. I hate the cheap options at running back. I, I'm much more towards the receivers. Yeah. Did I miss anybody for running backs or am I right in that there's just not a lot going on there? There really isn't a lot of, uh, of decent value. Um, I'm a little bit curious what kind of look Rodney Hill is going to have this week. Um, I do feel like there might be a little bit of a transition going on at Florida state where he's, he's, he seems like he's getting more work. Um, I, 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 that's really just a gut play that I feel like they're transitioning more to him than to a um, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, Joe Quiz Smith at Temple, but he's got the awful matchup against Miami. Um, Trey Sanders seems to be really faded out for Imani Bailey. So I feel like most of the, the cheap options are gone. The cheapest that I'm, I'm probably willing to go is, is AJ Allen, uh, at 4,800, but that's just really banking on some some variance with the running back carries. Yeah, they've been using a bunch of different guys. Joe uh, Smith to circle back. It does feel like uh, in conference play, that's a guy that at that price you would want. 
Um, yeah. It does seem like he's taken over. And, and then the depth chart this week lists him as the starter. So that'll be an interesting the guy to follow um, in their conference play. But against Miami, it's just hard to really yeah. to love that play. A.J. Allen and Rodney Hill, I think, are guys that I would definitely love if they were going to get 12 to 15 touches like or better. Yeah, you just can't guarantee uh, that. You just can't guarantee that. But I don't mind it in, in places because I think that's where you can maybe get a little bit of some variance compared to others, get some low ownership is by taking a chance on one of these two, because then it allows for you to go expensive at quarterback, right? Like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of two expensive quarterback lineups. It might be worth it. I mean, we have this Oregon stack, a game stack. We have dart. We have like Milrose of the world that could put up big numbers, but you're just not able to get there if you don't spend down here. So the cheapest I would go is LJ Martin of BYU. I mentioned him earlier. With yeah. Robbins likely to be limited or less, you know, he didn't look Superman against Arkansas, but he still ended up with some passing game usage and two rushing touchdowns. He looks good against Sam Houston State. And another thing I like about him is that they, like, they were hyping him up in the last few weeks of fall camp. So this feels like a legitimate, like, RB1 for BYU. Like, I think yeah. even if Robbins was healthy, he would probably be starting. So, at 4,900, that, does, that definitely is like an area where I'm like, okay, like this is, I can live in this and I can, I can be cool with this. Yeah. Are you pro LJ Martin? Um, you know, I, I don't hate the play. Um, I do wish, uh, you know, that there was a little bit more definition, uh, to the, um, the BYU offense. Um, Knowing that I, I like Slovis, you know, I probably won't have a whole bunch. It would be hard to have both. They don't, this is not a quarterback running back combination that you could stack for sure. Yeah. Um, I do like uh, Jordan James though, quite a bit uh, at 5,600. He's starting to get into the territory of guys who I might have, you know, a little bit of volume uh, in my exposure. Um I have really loved the way that Oregon has utilized him uh, so far this year. Uh, he definitely hasn't gotten a ton of volume, um, but by the goal line, he seems to be a really good touchdown uh, machine. He's got five touchdowns on 21 carries. So not great volume, but uh, I, I think that he's showing a lot of skill. I think he's explosive in how he's running. Um and I think with Colorado, you know, I think that the offense is going to be on the field a lot because I think that, you know, any shootout kind of potential, um, you're going to see quick scores on both sides. Uh, and I, I think that Jordan James has the opportunity to really um, make some electric plays. They've carved out a role for him and he has excelled at it, which yeah. is um, sporadic random carries and then just touchdown machine, like you mentioned, yeah. right? So, I think that makes a lot of sense kind of going to the top. Let's, let's go back to the beginning in a sense here and talk studs. Um, I mean, they didn't price them up, which is really interesting. Only four guys over 7,000, uh, yeah. all of them really good options. One, I don't like as much as the others, but we can talk about that on flex or fade. I, I think we're yeah. talking that on flex or fade. Uh, so yeah, be yeah. sure to check that out. But um, of the top four of these players that are 7,000 above, which one are you gravitating to the most? Um, I'll probably have more Quinchon than any of those other three. Um, the weird injury news that was maybe a fake out, maybe a smokescreen last week with, with Quinchon, uh, saying that he was doubtful because of a rib injury and then him essentially, I mean, I don't think it was his full workload, but 13 carries uh, and two two receptions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But, uh, I mean, he's still, I think, the best way to find low ownership at that level um, and still retain that high ceiling. Um, I think, like I've said before, I think Bama's defense is kind of a shell of what it was. And maybe that's just because they've been a little demoralized with an offense that isn't able to convert. And, you know, they, I think it's the kind of defense that plays better with a lead. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
obviously though, I mean, Quorum and Irving and, and I, I like him too. Uh, I'll have a sprinkle of, of all four of those guys this week, but Quinchon will probably have the most. So I think there's two, I like two different guys the most, just based on what I would be playing. Um, I think Judkins is, is certainly usable in every format. There's absolutely nothing wrong. Guy's a stud against Alabama. I'm not worried about anything with him. Right. But I think if you told me, Hey, who's the safest play in the entire slate, if you said, find me a guy, non quarterback, that's going to get me 20 points. It'd have to be Blake Corum, right? Like, He's one, he's a top 15 Heisman type guy, top 20 Heisman type guy. Uh, And they like feed him. They will, he cannot finish a game without scoring a touchdown. And (laughs) I think I wrote like, if there's any game that Michigan is going to score 30 plus points, I would guarantee he gets one of the touchdowns, assuming he doesn't get hurt, obviously. Yeah. So I think in terms of cash games, he is the, the guy. He's not going to kill you in terms of salary, although he is the highest price at 8300 And then the lowest of the four price, Bucky Irving, to me, is is the best tournament play. Um, we haven't seen... Like the highest potential. Yeah, just the way that Oregon scores and the way that he's used. It's seven catches against Texas Tech. Um, you know... If he were to get, if this game was to be kind of Colorado State, Colorado S ish, he's getting 15 rushes and five catches. Yeah. And the way he scores touchdowns in his career, I just could see three touchdowns out of that. You know, like yeah. kind of like that Dylan Edwards game in week one against uh, for Colorado against uh, yeah. TCU. So have I they, think he. Have they split him out much at all or. Is, is most of his receiving work still out of the backfield? I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I haven't looked too deeply or watched too much of Oregon as much as I do love. I just bought an actually amazing segue. I just bought an Oregon shirt off of the home field. I have spent way too much money at home field, and I'm not the type to create emails and fake addresses to get the discount, no. partially because I have free shipping um, <laughs> and home field cheerleaders drop it off at my door. But if you do want the discount, if you never used it before, it's Campus Decanton. I believe it gets you 15% off. I say that every time because I'm never confident in uh, those types of things. But check it out. The stuff is amazing. I got this nice green Oregon shirt coming my way. But the real hook, line, and sinker was wife's birthday is coming up, and she cannot stop talking about Sam Hartman. She's Hmm. a Notre Dame fan. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So they released a Sam Hartman shirt. So if you are a Notre Dame fan – this same Hartman shirt is quite appealing. Surprise, little birthday gift. But anyways. It uh, pairs very well with the replica rib uh, necklace that you're getting here as well. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I special ordered the other side of his rib cage, yeah. his lowest rib bone. It's coming my way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, you know, this game could be, this Oregon-Colorado game will be mentioned a lot as, as it already has been today. But I think this is like it could be one of the keys of the slate. I think there's like eight different guys to me that are in play from this matchup. So uh, that's just kind of how it goes. Real quick, let's kind of change it up a little bit. Which Edwards would you rather have this weekend, Dylan or Donovan? Uh, I mean, I would say I'd say Dylan probably, assuming McCaskill is not uh, is not coming back. I mean, even if he does. I've talked about it before. I think Colorado, the meritocracy they've got going on there, he still demands the uh, lead role in that backfield. Uh, real quick, just uh, we, I mean, I could easily touch on this on wide receiver though. The reason I was asking about Bucky Irving's slot usage, um, just with the way that Colorado State won uh, against the defense last week, um, I'm looking for whoever I think is going to be the middle of the field uh, weapon. Uh, for Oregon, because I think that is where or, or Colorado is most vulnerable. Um, and so I think it's interesting when we talk about stacking, and we'll talk about it with Taurus Franklin. Anecdotally, I have no you know PFF stat to back this up. I need to go and check that out. But um, anecdotally, I feel like Troy Franklin is much more of a downfield threat than anything else. And it, it could be a sneaky Tez week uh, where they're uh, mimicking some of those quick slants and crossers that uh, Colorado State was running. I mean, they just completely exposed the uh, the Buffalo defense there. Um, so 
it's uh it's worth noting but yeah uh dylan edwards over donovan edwards this week donovan has brought too much shame to my name uh over the past two or three weeks yeah i mean i agree dylan would be my choice as well anytime you only average like eight fantasy points as the michigan running back that gets significant usage something is especially considering he's used in the passing game i mean like yeah you know they generate an easy two to three points just strictly on the passing game usage so i am you know, this is crazy, right? Like last year at this price of uh, 6,600, like everybody would be all over it, but not the case uh, anymore, which is just, it's wild. Um, yeah. What other kind of running backs in that mid-range area are you kind of targeting? Well, I mean, we have a another Rasheen Ali chalk week, I think, uh, coming in at 6,000. Um, it's not egregious like his uh his his earlier in the year pricing was but um anytime you see the 32 uh next to the uh the fantasy points per game and you see them you know sub 6500 that's that's always going to catch people alive Devin neal also uh has that same characteristic 30.1 fantasy points per game at 5900 um i feel like both of those guys are going to be very heavily owned uh, moving into this week um I, I don't know a whole lot about the BYU defense, to be honest. So I don't know what that looks like for Devin Neal. Um, but the, I mean, the way that Kansas relies upon him and has been trying to ease Jalen Daniels back into the starting role. Um, I mean, he's got one of the safest floors in, in, on the slate, to, to be honest. So um, hard to go wrong there. But a lot of really interesting names just right around that price point, too, with, you know, Will Shipley at 5,700. Um, CJ Donaldson, even as like a tournament play at 5,900, isn't, isn't awful. Um, who are you looking at? You know, that mid, mid range tier, um, for exposure. I think you nailed it. I am, I'm in on Devin Neal and I'm in on Rasheen Ali. I think what's interesting is they do things in complete opposite fashion. Not that Rasheen yeah. Ali is not a good running back. But like Devin Neal to me is is a better running back that gets less touches. Um, he's going to see thirty five to forty percent of carries, which is pretty atypical for me to use. But he is just he finds the end zone pretty often, and he he has big plays uh, or a big yeah. playability. And then on the other end, right, Rashina Lee is just a volume monster, right? And Virginia Tech is not a defense to be scared of. I would say any more, but yeah. it's been like probably five or six years since anyone's been scared of that defense, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I think the usage is just incredible there. And, you know, for a running back, almost touchdown favorite, that's about as good of a game script as you're going to get. Yeah, I can tell fair. you right now, Marshall wants, I mean, obviously, right? But like these teams like uh, ODU and JMU and and Marshall, right? Like these are the teams that, if they have an opportunity to take down Virginia or Virginia Tech, more specifically Virginia Tech, like they get up for these games because, you know, Virginia Tech spent like 30 years of just yep. beating them up, right? So yeah, for the most part, one time, unfortunately, I was there. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are the two I'm really looking at. I'm not in on Will Shipley. You'd have to sell me on that one. Yeah. But I am in on Roydell Williams. I said it last week. Oh, I was so worried about using Jace McClellan. That's gross. I, but my projections were, were fairly conservative, and he stunk, and it. I saw it coming. I didn't listen to myself. Um, you know, I listened to the projections too heavy there. So I like Roy Dell Williams. He might not be the true like RB one, but they're going to use two backs, and I think he's better. And I yeah. think this offense will run enough where he still sees fifteen carries. Um, so yeah. I, I like Roydale Williams in the, like the mid five K range. Yeah. I mean, just as far as, you know, Milrow sapping some touchdown equity that, that feels a little bit gross <laughs> on my, uh, on my end. But, um, you've mentioned with Devin Neal, you know, a guy who makes great work and very efficient on the few carries that he has. First guy that comes to mind when I think about that this year has been Jawar Jordan. Um, especially, I mean, Early in the year, uh, seven carries in both of the first two games, um, but had, you know, 18 and 35 points per game those those first two games. Um, He recently got, you know, the lion's share of that starting role, 18 attempts, 
um, 18 carries against Indiana, uh, and he delivered wholeheartedly there with 113 yards and a touchdown, getting some receiving work as well. Um, against Boston College this week, are you uh, are you in on Jawar Jordan? He's he's 6,500, so you're paying more than you're paying for Rasheen Ali or Devin Neal, which is kind of hard to justify. But in a tournament setting, you know, sometimes you have to have to do that. I think he's a great tournament play. You know, Jack Plummer's not going to steal anything from him. He's looked really good. You know, do they do they start to use him more and more in that offense? Is that was that just one week? Was that a, is this going to be a trend? Yeah. I think this is the week to use him because of what you just said, right? Like what kind of person plays him over Rashina Lee and Devin Neal and all these other options that are around him, Shipley yeah. and, and Roy to Williams or Jace McClellan, if you want to go that route or Javante Barnes. So this is an opportunity to get him at maybe lower than you will see ownership. So yeah. I like him in tournaments. I wouldn't touch him in cash games. There's just yeah. too many other options um to to get that would feel a little cute you know yeah for sure cash game i uh you're leaving too many too many points possibly on the board there you know who else is interesting is amani bailey yeah yeah i mean we talking about usage and how things have kind of changed since week one he's definitely a guy who has assumed i think a pretty clear running back one role um, I do worry a little bit. I think he fumbled in that Colorado game and got benched because of it. And I always make a little mental note on uh, coaches and how quick they are to yank after fumbles and things like that. So I am a little bit uh, apprehensive. Uh, just, you know, if he has any ball uh, security issues moving forward, but uh, definitely a solid play there. So you're worried about his ball issues? I am. His his ball security issues, for sure. Uh you know, that's a good tidbit. I, I didn't realize that I'd, I'd missed that, but man, that, that does pose like a scary situation. Again, I think he's a little bit more cash play option than um, Jordan, but I can't see myself venturing too deep into uh, cash games with him because of the, all the other options. Yeah. Um, there was, and, you know, we came into the season kind of scared of like Carson Steele's usage and, you know, what he's going to do with, you know, TJ Harden kind of taking some of those reps. I am going to be super interested to see how they start to, uh, when these games become more competitive, what does UCLA do? So I'm curious to see, does one start to take more carries than the other? Do they continue to split? Because both of those guys feel like awesome options that we're just not going to get much out of. Yeah, I feel like... um maybe it was a cover three podcast I heard, but they were besmirching Chip Kelly's name because he essentially treats the non-con schedule like preseason NFL and just rotates in ridiculous high quantities, um, getting everybody some touches. So I am really interested to see what the conference schedule uh, yields. Um, maybe it's the season for Schley. Uh, at this point in time, getting some uh, some smoke screens, <laughs> but uh, no, on the real, I think uh, the breakdown between Carson Steele and TJ Harden is definitely something to watch moving forward. Um, right now, it's I think it's too split to feel comfortable playing either of those guys, right. um, but especially I mean against Utah. But moving forward, gonna have some softer matches, gonna have some some potential for big games for them for sure. Yeah. There's just too big of a split there. Any final running backs to speak of before we uh, hit wide receiver? Man, I think we're pretty tapped out there. I I don't love the running back pricing this week. Um, I I love to find a value play, and and it's hard this week for for value there. Yeah, I think the value is a little bit more in the bottom of the quarterback, obviously, and then the bottom of the receivers. Yep. Or really, it's more like bottom of the tight end group. But yep. uh, we'll get there in due time. Slight tease. Uh, receiver group. I don't. Did Zachary Franklin's or Zachary Franklin's mom? Does, is she the DraftKings intern? How is he always so highly braced? <laughs> like, even if he was healthy, full go, I would not like suspect him to be or think that he should be worth the highest priced receiver. But what about this? Instead of Franklin, who do you think? deserves to be the the highest priced receiver in this slate uh they just they got the first initial wrong it should be troy franklin i think um okay. in terms of uh opportunity and talent and 
quarterback that he's tied to, I think that um, he's definitely got a great shot. Evan Stewart, uh, honorable mention as well, just with the production he's put up so far this year. Um, I'm curious to see Texas A&M going into conference play uh, with Auburn. Um, yeah, I think those two are kind of at the top there. I love Keon Coleman this week in another tough matchup. I think he's the kind of guy that you rely on. Uh, and when when you have those conf- those conference matchups, those, those tougher games, um, at least that's what I'm telling myself, looking at the box score with LSU, dominating LSU and then struggling against Southern Miss and Boston College. Um, and then I'll, I'll tee up another guy here with two, with Jamari Thrash, just being a, an absolute volume monster um, and really locking into that wide receiver one role for Louisville. Yeah, so a lot to go off of there, but I, a lot of what I like. Uh, I would agree. I would think that Troy Franklin deserves the number one, but if it's not him, I would say Jamari Thrash, man. That guy, yeah. he had a long touchdown callback. I think it was a holding. He could have ended with like five or six catches and like 210 yards and two touchdowns quite easily. Um, what I like a lot about this situation is that he's hovering around like the 25, 27% target share range. In this offense, this role with Brom, this is like a 30 to 32% target share. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this matchup poses a good situation for him. Um, You know, lesser opponent, but quality enough um, in conference. You know, this could be a huge game for him. I think as long as he's under 7,500, 8,000, like he's a pretty good value, man. If you got Chuck Sizzle for... 7,500 every week last week. You know, yeah. you would have done it every single week. Um, so I do like those two. Stewart, anytime a guy is going to get 12 to 15 touches uh, or targets a game, which is what Stewart's going to get, he's uber talented. Uh, you're always kind of in on that. The problem with him is he faces Auburn, and Auburn typically has a strong defensive back group. So I haven't watched a ton of them this year for obvious reasons. Um, they just have played some lesser opponents. Why would I watch their, them play UMass? <laughs> uh, but I know that they're talented at cornerback. So it'll be interesting. Wigman's good enough, though. I think that can make that a, a good situation for him. Yeah, um, for sure. Colorado receivers, you don't like them. Should we, should we tease this for flex fade or should we dig in a little bit? Uh, let's save it for flex or fade. I... Uh... I think that's that's the quality content that that's gonna get the eyes on on that. There we team. go. There we go. Yeah. So we, for flex or fade this week, uh, I don't know when Austin releases it or whomever releases it, but we will be discussing Roman MB and then uh, Colorado receivers. They're kind of grouping them, which I think is a little interesting with Travis Hunter out. Kind of our take on on what happens this weekend against it's, Oregon. It's just you hedging your bets so that one of them goes off, right? Well, if you just name all of them, then you probably get one, right? Right? Exactly. Uh, what about the Oklahoma situation? Our Oklahoma yeah. insider was preaching one receiver way heavily, and I'm going to just say it. He's probably going to hear this. He's He's been pretty wrong. Jalil Farouk, he had talked up, and I agreed with him. I thought it was a, a, the correct you know, vision of what was going to happen. He's been wrong. It's been the Michigan transfer, Andrew Anthony, that has really impressed. Is this just the first three weeks thing? Is this a a trend that we're going to continue to see? What's kind of your take on that receiver one for Oklahoma? Man, they seem to be putting up points in droves so quickly that I don't – has Dylan Gabriel played a full game yet this year? Like, it's wild. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I – you know – I think that it's a little bit of like funky, fluky game script and distribution. Um, that being said, I mean, Andrew Anthony and Drake Stoops have both um, been solid. And I'm wondering more and more if maybe we haven't given Dylan Gabriel as much credit. Um, I know we talked a lot about, uh, you know, Caleb Williams being the point guard and being able to distribute the ball and utilize all of his weapons. Um we talked about Matt, uh, Michael Pratt also being the same kind of just field general, utilizes his weapons well, super efficient in, in distribution. I think that 
you know, the signs were there for Dylan Gabriel and being a similar type of quarterback back to his Central Florida days. Now, I think that a lot of people attributed the receiver talent um, at UCF for kind of making up some inefficiencies in his game. But I think this is the first time since he's been uh, at Central Florida, you know, in the um, the days of, uh, you know, Jalen Robinson and um, those other speedy guys, O'Keefe and some others that were there during his time. I think this is the first time that he's had, you know, a capable unit around him that it's not just one guy and that he's able to kind of rely on the system rely on knowing and trusting his options out there. Um, and that's really kind of flattened distribution. I will say, speak for yourself, Ethan. I was on <laughs> Dylan Gabriel as a dark horse Heisman contender, and he's made me look pretty good. It's almost like he was so good to start in, you know, Jackson Arnold is really intriguing and they want to get him some reps and their defense played so well that it, it kind of hurt him because, like you said, he hasn't played a full game yet. Or if he has, it's just one set of the three. Yeah. Uh, super impressive. I think you're right, though. I think he is a – in terms of a a true quarterback, you know, he's really leaning towards, you know, the Caleb Williams type, like you said, where he has enough options and he's going to use all of them, especially in these weaker matchups. It'll be interesting to see what he does when he plays, like, the Texas of the world – where, you know, that matchup's tighter and, you know, maybe you lean on your star more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, when that game comes, you know, those types of games come up. Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious, too. Andrew Anthony was just waiting to be paired with a real quarterback uh, like Dylan Gabriel. So, uh, Well, he... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, I see you. Uh, I mean, let's be fair, though. You know, most of the time, the Michigan quarterbacks are pretty awful. And I think it was his true freshman year with JJ. Totally. Well, well, maybe it was just a little bit of sophomore year. Anyways, um, it's truly a, a good pairing right now. He comes in at fifty three hundred in the matchup. Yep. Um, his his game long won't blow you away, but if you dig in a little bit, you know, the pairing seems to to make a lot of sense. The problem, <laughs> Drake Stoops is like that twelfth year guy that just keeps being productive, um, and and putting is like a thorn in your side. Um, so that just is a little bit of a bummer, but, um, another team that has kind of like a, a similar receiver group that a lot of them are starting to really participate in is a kind of a murky situation is Ole Miss. So I like Jackson dart. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, who am I? I don't have to stack dart, but I don't know. It kind of makes sense. If I like one to do it, there's Jordan Watkins, there's uh Dayton Wade. There's the potential of Trey Harris being back. Um, and yeah. Prescorn could be back theoretically, and I don't know his price. It's thirty five hundred, so that would be an interesting cheap option. Is there a, a guy you're targeting here, or is it just so messy and spread out that you're just going to say, "Hey, if I use Dart, I'm not even concerning myself with the receiver"? Uh, I definitely want to stack. Um, Watkins is definitely the safest of those options. Um, I feel like Dayton Wade. I could be wrong. I feel like he had a lot of targets last week, but didn't actually catch any of them um, or caught very few of them um, in what I thought was a smash spot with him being so cheap last week. Um, he's more expensive this week. Um, I'm trying to pull up salaries real quick here. 5,300 as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's pricey. You're, you're definitely paying up for the kind of spotty performance there. Um but if Harris is, is uh, healthy and assuming Franklin is not, um, I I don't mind rolling any of the three in a pairing, just depending on what your, your salary situation is um, in tournaments. I think that, um, you know, we've, we hammered at home. You, you mentioned it earlier with Jackson Dart being a really great fantasy option this year. Um, he's got the ability to elevate any of these guys to a, you know, a, a 25, 30 point game. Um, so I'm, I, I, I'm not playing dart naked in any lineups. Not a naked dart guy. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Let's talk value here. It's a dangerous game. Naked darts. <laughs> naked darts. Yeah. That's a, that does sound dangerous. 
Uh, what about cheap options? So tell me who are some of the names at the top of your list? I know when we kind of, we always kind of race to see when it comes out, the pricing and then the names that jump out at us. And I know you thought that the receiver slot here was a lot of interesting tight end options. Yeah. Uh, I believe I referred to it as the tight end of Palooza, um, in the Slack. Um, Malik Carr at 3,300 against Maryland is the cheapest option that I like. Um, he's starting to get, you know, a, a little bit more of a target share. I feel like he is one of the better options for Michigan state. I don't expect them to be blanked like they were against Washington. Um, Maryland is vulnerable. Um, I think that this is the kind of game that you're looking for. If you're going to play any Michigan state players, um, you know, they, they do have a low total. I think they're at like 23 points. Um, but, you know, that's probably going to be one of their higher game totals on the year um, or one of their higher implied totals on the year. Um, so I, I like him. Um, I believe Brant Keithy, yeah, 3,400. He's still questionable. You know, I don't know what the rising Keithy situation is. Knowing Whittingham, we're probably, or we're probably not going to know um, before lock if they're going or not, um, unless we get some good boots on the ground information coming out of there. Um, but I mean, those, those two guys definitely jumped out. Um, Daquan Wright, I believe, uh, is a, uh, a guy that you love. I'll, I'll let you talk about say it. Say it right. Baquan. Baquan. Yeah. I, you know, I'm surprised that Mox never thought of that. Or if he did, he <laughs> said it late at night when no one was paying attention and it got glossed over. <laughs> Cause that's the type of like pun that, and he is a Daquan guy. So I'm surprised at that. Um, it, this feels like a typical week for receiver position. You get the random receiver maybe that's slotted in, but it's a lot of tight ends and I'll specifically call out uh, RJ Maryland is interesting uh, for any time an SMU receiver that sees decent targets. Is this cheap at 3,400? He's interesting. Yeah. David Martin Robinson yep. is really interesting. You know, there's not a lot of guys in Temple that can create like matchup. It can be a little bit of a matchup advantage. And it feels like he has a, a decent shot at it. And I know we were all kind of in on him a little bit in the off season. I think he has a couple games of four catches and 50 plus yards. Yeah. You know, you don't love 10 points about 10 or 11 points is what he's basically had those two uh, non blowouts good game script for him. If he just finds the end zone once, you know, EJ sure. Warner maybe shows up a little bit. That could be an interesting situation for him. Yeah. Um, game script definitely helps. Cause I think temple definitely wants to run it a little bit more than they showed last year. So the game script does push in our favor. Yeah. Do you have a, and it's okay. It, it might be Maryland, but do you have a favorite SMU receiver this week? You know, I would, I just would defer to the cheapest option. Um, which I believe is RJ Maryland, right? So yeah. they're spreading it out, uh, spreading it around a lot. I hope we see something that is more concentrated in conference play. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping for the uh, the revenge game narrative with uh, Jordan Hudson. Um, he seems like a a pretty decent option. I'm a little bit nervous though, just because right now his usage just shows week one and week three because he was injured against Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was really the only like solid competition that, you know, I think TCU, despite them being a little bit down, I think their defense is still much better than Louisiana Tech and clearly better than Prairie View A&M. Um, so deploying Hudson without him having shown it against a good defense yet um, is a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but I feel like, you know, DraftKings just didn't really know what to do with the TCU or the SMU receivers. You've got Jake Bailey at 5,500, Jordan Curley, who has massively disappointed this year um, at uh, 5,300. Uh, Curley did, you know, kind of come into his own last week, but again, such depressed competition um, makes it really hard to trust any of them. But, you know, I feel like it's a situation where you've got to take a stand knowing that, you know, Preston Stone is likely going to garner some pretty good ownership uh, this, this week. Yeah, it's that SMU TCU game feels like it could just go bonkers. And 
I think it happens through the passing game. So if you do, if you do feel the same way, you probably should figure out which one or multiples that you can sprinkle on there. A couple random guys here. I will go uh, to wrap us up a little bit here. Darius Lasseter for BYU. I know you like Slovis. You have to, t- I think you have to stack them, right? So who do you go with? Do you yeah. maybe go a cheaper option like Darius Lasseter, who I thought was, it was a quality receiver at Eastern Michigan. He's been at BYU and, um, has seen some pretty solid target uh, usage. And then getting really deep in it, if you like Tyler Chuck and you want to stack him, I think Jordan Brown at 3,400 could be the guy. They have um, Loic Fungi. I apologize, Miss Fungi, if I got that wrong. But I, you know, he had nine targets last game. Fungi just didn't really play. I mean, I think he's been banged up slash just not what, we've ever wanted him to be with his size. So I think he might get just pushed down the depth chart. And one injury kind of note that kind of ties into this is Coy Eakin was a guy that got hurt in the fall camp and was kind of pushing for like big time snaps as a younger guy. And he's back this week. So that muddies the outside receiver a little bit, but I think if and he's three K. So if you're looking for just a kind of a dart throw random guy, to make sure that you have a little bit of in, in some, let's say you run 20 to 50 lineups or something. Like I think he definitely is deserving of one spot, at least a couple spots. So those are some random, really random options that are non tight ends. Yeah. And I mean, if we're, if we're looking at Ethan too, I think it's important to know, I mean, at least anecdotally from what we know and what we saw last year, the guy who they were hyping up in, in training camp was also an unknown Duran Bradley. And I mean, we saw how that worked out for him last year. So I, I, I feel like Eakin is a, a good tidbit to know and a, a good thing to tuck away. Um, great salary saver, especially, you know, if you're pairing with, uh, with Shuck this week. Any final receiver thoughts or do you want to jump into maybe final slate thoughts? You know, um, I feel like BYU's receivers, you touched on Lassiter, um, I, I feel like they don't know what to do with the pricing there. Seeing Isaac Rex, uh, Cody Epps, and Chase Roberts all at 4,500 seems like they just, you know, didn't care. And that's like the default. I feel like everybody in preseason NFL is 4,500. And so that's like the default that everybody starts at. I feel like they just kept them the same. They, they didn't know which way to go. Um, but they're, I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, like you said, you're, if you're rolling slow this, I, I do want a piece of the the passing game just because he's he's not a zero as far as rushing touchdown option, but you know he's not going to be super mobile for you. So um, pairing him is usually a good a good call. Um, Corey Dykes Dykes uh, tight end for Maryland um, is interesting at forty seven hundred. Um, Jaheim Bell at forty six hundred. I mean. I, I was it was a little bit tongue in cheek talking about the tight ends this week just because you know tight ends are not really what we gravitate towards in, in DFS. But at some point, I mean, they're just so cheap on these slates that it's really hard not to at least roll one of them and hope that they find the end zone. Um Deitches seems to be getting decent volume. Um I feel like uh Maryland did get some receivers back last week, and so he did see a little bit of a dip. Um it, he's interesting. You know, Ryan O'Keefe is right around there at 4,600 as well. Not as big on O'Keefe now that Castellanos is uh, his quarterback, but, um, you know, he's the kind of guy who doesn't need volume to uh, to have a big day. So, True. What about we do this every week? Are we stacking – are we doing two quarterbacks? Yeah. Making sure we play in two quarterbacks. Fully. I think the more important question is – what is the salary threshold for those two quarterbacks this week? Because there is so it's so light, especially on running back. I feel like that flex option, you're going to get a lot of four wide receiver lineups. Yeah. You're going to have to start. You're going to have to kind of weigh the options of like, okay, well, do I go this ex- two expensive quarterbacks, but you know, then I have to go super cheap at receiver or go to medium price receivers kind of play around with the salary a little bit um you know it's sometimes it's easy to say well yeah i think this guy will get like three or four x his cost but i think when you actually put the names down and you say okay would i rather have tyler shuck and bo Nix 
with these, you know, two tight ends that are 3,400? Or would I rather have like Castellanos and Shuck and then get like Jamari Thrash and, you know, Watkins or something, right? Like you put those names down and it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, these quarterbacks still have a lot of upside even at the, the cheaper rates. So I am definitely playing, well, see this. The minimal lineups that I am playing will all have two uh, quarterbacks. If I was playing, yeah. you know, my typical amount, I would still do the same thing. But yeah, I think this is going to be a fun weekend. If you're able to watch the games, just purely the games, they're going to be great. And I think the DFS action is, is going to be equally as, as fun. And I think like if you're playing like the night or the late night slate, you get some nice treats there as well. So yeah, we have a good weekend ahead of us. Everybody enjoy the games. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Discord, Twitter, etc. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it.